So we've been in this series called The Other Side of But, and kind of the whole idea behind it was almost like two sides of the coin. Heads, tails, looking at both sides, looking at before, after, kind of the beginning of the sentence, the end. You could say like the complete picture, seeing the whole picture in a sense. That's kind of what the idea is. And a couple weeks ago, I preached on dead, but alive. Last week, Pastor Chris preached on baited, but not hooked. And this week, I'll be preaching on pain, but gain. And it's, the idea is going to be suffering. Why do we suffer? How does God use suffering in our lives? That's kind of the gist of what we're going to be talking about. Our focus scriptures will be in Romans 5, page 1176, if you're using the Bible provided in front of you. It's Romans 5. And now we're going to touch base in 2 Corinthians 1 and 2 Corinthians 4. But as you turn there, I want to get your mind turned. you kind of see where we're going with this a little bit this morning, okay? When I say a word, I want you to reply with what makes sense to you, okay? What goes with it? It just makes sense to us that it fits together, okay? I'm going to say it, say a couple words, you're going to say what goes with it. I'm going to try this out. Let's participate here, ready? Peanut butter and? Got it. Baseball bat and? Glove, ball, they both go with that. Most said glove, that's right. Man and? Husband and? Sweet and? Okay, I was going to actually say my wife's name, but for all you guys out there, you know, <laughs> hey, you know, that's, if you want to go there, you know, yeah, but no, sweet and sour fits. What about horse and? Buggy, carriage. We, things make sense, right? I say something that makes sense. We know that in this world we live in, they go together, they fit. But in this world that we live in, when I say something like suffering, you wouldn't say hope. Many wouldn't. If I said suffering, you wouldn't say joy, you wouldn't say peace. See, in this world that we live in, those don't make sense with pain and suffering. Suffering and gain? How can there be any gain in suffering? Pain and gain? No way. How can there be any great gain with pain? That's the world that we live in, because suffering is bad, suffering is hard. We don't like suffering. But for a Christian... Pain is essential in gain. God uses our suffering, and we're going to get into that. There is great gain in the pain. For me, when I was preparing this, I can't help, but a time in my life, I just have to share it, because it's true, and I'm not exaggerating when I tell you this. My wife will know right where I'm going when I say this word, but it was Thanksgiving. And I literally had ate so much food on Thanksgiving that I thought I ate myself to death. I thought I was, I'm not exactly, I thought this is how God's calling me home. I'm not getting hit by a car, I'm not getting ate by a shark. I'm, I ate myself to death. I laid in my bed and I moaned and I groaned and I, I was in pain. Serious pain. No, not exaggerating. I, that, this, you can ask her, this happened. And I thought, that that's a pain with no great gain. Well, Maybe my waistline. I had a great gain with my waistline, but that was about it. But there was no, there was no good gain in that pain. I was in a, put myself in a situation I did not handle well. But then you kind of have the butt side, the other side of that. That one time I did this program, I don't know who, anyone who is familiar with the P90X, it's this exercise program that's really, really hard. I put myself in situations I didn't want to be in necessarily. Kind of like we do in life, Right? We get in situations we don't want to be in necessarily. I had to work hard. We work in this life that we live in, not for our salvation, but because of it. I was working hard at this P90X. 
And I seen gain in the pain. See, it took dedication. It took getting through it. But my muscles grew. I seen it. I seen the results. I was walking different, looking different, confident, talking different. I knew and I welcomed it. I wanted that pain because I could see the results. I knew there was gain in it. I could see it in the mirror. See, that's more of a pain but gain. And that's similar to a Christian pain but gain. Who's heard the phrase, no pain, no gain? Who's heard that? Basically, every arm in here went up. See, because it's been around a long time. I thought it was maybe in the 1980s when all the exercise programs were coming out. But I found out, God allowed me to trip over this going through this. It actually was in the 1500s is where that phrase came out. And in 1607 is when it really got popular. A man by the name of John Ray, he penned in his, his popular proverb collection. I don't know him personally, but I came across this. That he penned, without pains, no gains. And that's when it really took off. And there's a lot of truth to that in the Christian life. Without pains, there truly is no gains. We need the pain. We need the suffering. And that just don't make sense like some words make sense in our lives. But it makes sense for us because the reality is we're going to suffer. Think about it. Physically, mentally, spiritually, we're going to suffer. We battle with flesh. We battle with the world. We battle with Satan. That just comes with pain and suffering. Cancer. Many in this room know all about cancer. Loss of loved ones. You have a loved one right now going through a situation that it bothers you. It puts you through some affliction, some pain, some suffering, because you see that in your loved ones. You can't do the things you used to do. I can't do the things I used to do. Physically, things happen, accidents happen. Mentally, self-doubt, self-denial, self-esteem. We, we drive ourselves self-nuts sometimes. We inflict pain and suffering on ourselves. And spiritually, the sin, the fallen world that we live in, pain, affliction, suffering all around us. And those are just a few examples of how we experience it. And I know all of you in this room can totally relate to that. So it's a reality. What is suffering? It's distress. It's hardship. It's persecution. It's pain. It's hard. That's suffering. So we ask ourselves this morning, why? Why suffering? Why put us through this? Why do, why do we do this? And hopefully this morning, not hopefully, we know that God will answer some of why we suffer. That's going to be what we do this morning. It's answer that question. And as I kind of set the scene for Romans, 2 Corinthians, I want to talk about the author for a minute. Because the author knew all about suffering. The Apostle Paul knew all about it. And at first I was going to go through my Bible, honestly, and I was going to try to find some Scripture to prove things Paul went through. But once again, God's Word speaks for itself. Because there's a section in Scripture that he took me to, and you don't have to turn here, I'm going to read it for you. But it's 2 Corinthians 11, verses 23-28. through 28. I'm going to read it. This is Paul. This is Paul explaining his own suffering. And I think when you hear these words, it's pretty much going to sum up for you. This man knew suffering. And we're hearing from him this morning. And that holds weight for us when we know that somebody has experience with it, somebody that knows all about it. That holds weight for us and our ears tune in. Tune into this. I'm going to start in 23. Are they servants of Christ? And Paul's talking about false apostles here, by the way. People that say one thing, do another. People who aren't the real deal. Okay, that's who Paul's referring to here. He says, are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking like a madman with far greater 
far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift to sea. On frequent journeys, and listen to all this danger, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, dangers in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, and toil and hardship. Sound familiar? Hardship. We can relate to that. Through many a sleepless night, any of you in here ever had a sleepless night? Things are just keeping you up at night. And hunger and thirst, often without food, and cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is this daily pressure. And we know all about that, brothers and sisters. There's this daily pressure on me and my anxiety for all the churches. We know all about daily pressure. We know all about anxiety. Paul knew about suffering. That's his own words speaking to it. And his recipients knew about it as well. The church in Rome, the church in Corinth. They're just like me and you in many ways. Christians trying to live a Christian life in the world that they lived in. And they put worldly things that had temporary value higher than it should, like we do at times. They suffered hardship. They tried to one-up each other. They didn't use their finances how they should. They were struggling with disobedience, letting false teachers, false voices get in their head. The culture surrounding them didn't fit. I think we know all about that right now, the culture that we live in and just not fitting. So we can definitely relate to all of this. That's them. They knew all about it. And that's who he's writing to. And Paul writes about many things. But when we start off in Romans 5, we're actually going to start on the other side of the butt here. See, it's pain but gain. But we're going to start with gain in Romans 5. The gain that you and I have right here, right now. As we're in this pain, this is going to encourage you and remind you of what you already have. We already have gained it all. And this is profitable for us. I'm going to start off in Romans 5. And it's going to be in verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I'm going to stop right there for a minute. You talk about gain. Let's go through that for a minute, okay? Let's just not read over that. Because this tells us, brothers, that we have gained it all right here, right now. We already have this right here. Justified. What is justification? It's being made just, made right. Being declared innocent. Found worthy before God. That's you and me when we believe in Jesus Christ. That's what we've already gained. Peace With God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ we have peace. This isn't this inward feeling of peace that comes and goes, that's wishing, sometimes I'm relaxed, sometimes I'm not. That's not this peace. This peace is is something that's not inward in us. It's it's what's caused by someone outward. Nothing to do with our doing. It's through the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's the biggest peace peace treaty in the history of mankind. It means that you're no longer at war with God. Sin no longer separates you. That's this peace. You have that right here, right now. You are made right, and you have this peace with God. Don't be phased, no matter what you're going through. And then it moves on. We have this access by faith, it said. This morning, 
we know we have access to God. He's present with us right now. He's present in each one of us as we're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Full access. He hears us. He's with us. He don't leave us. He don't forsake us. We can stand firm in the presence of God. We have that access by our faith, by our belief in Jesus Christ. And to His grace in which we stand and we rejoice. And once again, this isn't just that human happiness. Okay, This is a boasting and being proud that we are counted worthy to be used by God in this way. That's, a, that's not a boasting and a pride in ourselves. That's a boasting and I'm proud that God has found me, Josh, worthy to even live this life, suffer this pain and suffering. Rejoicing in that hope, that certainty, expecting. I hope the Browns win the Super Bowl this year, right? This isn't that hope because we know they're not, okay? This is a hope of expectancy, Certainly, it's done, signed, sealed, delivered. We can expect it to happen because it's certain it is. We have an eternal salvation of hope in the living stone, Jesus Christ. We have that right here, right now. Before you even get into the pain, you've gained it all. We have gained it all. But, and you'll see right there, it says, but we rejoice in our sufferings. And this is where we're moving on. Not only that, But we rejoice in our sufferings. So there's going to be suffering. There's going to be pain. There's the other side of the butt. Knowing. And when I read this, I want to ask you, because sometimes we hear and we see and we go through the motions. I want to ask you this morning, do you know what I'm about to read? Do you know this with all your heart and all your soul? Knowing that suffering produces. Suffering produces endurance. And that endurance here is It's patience, it's perseverance, it's overcoming, it's being able to withstand, it's strength. Do you know that suffering produces endurance? And endurance produces character. That character here, that's not just being nice. This character is conforming to the image of Christ. That character is a Christian character. That's the character. That's what suffering produces. Christ suffered. Paul suffered. Why would we expect even not to suffer? They were suffering servants. We are called to suffer. It produces character. And character produces that hope that we talked about. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out, poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And I love that right there. The Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And I love how Paul mentions the first three fruits of the Holy Spirit. We just talked about them. Love, Joy, peace. They're right here. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is in us and we have the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Our first point this morning that we're drawing from this section is we will suffer, but our suffering is being used in our sanctification. We will suffer, but our suffering is being used in our sanctification. See, our total sanctification is complete. We are set apart. Okay, Once saved, we're saved. Okay? We believe in Jesus Christ. That's secure. But then you have the, clean, the, the being made pure, made, made the process of sanctification, the maturing, the growth. That's what's happening in our lives right now. And I think you can see very clear from what we just read, hopefully, that suffering is a key part in producing that sanctification. It's growing you. You're being conformed to the image of Christ. Just like that P90X program, it's a process. It takes effort. 
It takes living it out. It takes showing up. It takes the pain. But if you look back at your life and what God has done, if you look at what He's doing right now in your life and you know what He's going to do, you've seen the results. You're not the same as what you used to be. If you are, you have an issue. You're not the same as you used to be because you're growing and God is working in your life. He's sanctifying you. It's such a key part. Jesus, as I go through the Bible, I just thought all the suffering He went through, all the suffering Paul went through. You know, He wrote about banquets and He wrote about preparing a place, but He never wrote about a picnic. If you didn't notice, He never, wrote, he never said it was going to be easy. It wasn't easy for Paul and it wasn't easy for Jesus. And brother and sister, it won't be easy for us. And we all know that in this room. But I hope this encourages you that there's so much gain through that pain. He's working through it all. As we move on to point two, it's going to be in, this is where we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And this is kind of a topical subject, this suffering. So God put a few top sections of Scripture in my mind and on my heart for this. And this is the second one. It's going to be in 2 Corinthians 1. And I'll go ahead and give you the point first, and then we'll draw this out of Scripture. But it's, we will suffer, but God is our comforter. We will suffer, but God is our comforter. And I want you, when I read through this, notice how many times comfort and comforter is mentioned. You talk about God making a point very clear through Paul. Pay attention to how many times you hear this word. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. And don't say some there. It says comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. With the comfort with which he, we, we ourselves are comforted by God, for as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, as through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, Comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in your sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. So it's all over the place. Comfort and eternal comfort of God. I couldn't help but when I read this, this is how, this is how it happens, so I just have to tell you. I actually thought of a comforter that you cover up with at night. I laid in bed, and I had a comforter on. And I literally, God put on my heart, it's, it's just like this. If I don't have this comforter, I'm restless. I don't rest well. I feel the environment. I feel the outside hitting me. I'm cold. I can't rest. It can be painful. It can put me through suffering. I can make me miserable. I don't have the proper protection. See, even the sheet isn't enough. That's like me trying to cover myself. I'm like a sheet. But when I get the comforter and I put the comforter on me, it's thick. I hear the noise. I know it's happening to me. I know the fan's running. I know the air conditioner's on, just like many of you know in your rooms. But I don't feel it. I can still rest well because I have the right comforter. I remember when Donna and I, we used to live on Agate Avenue, and we had a smaller bed and a smaller comforter. And we did the old turnover, kind of rip it off on each other, you know, Tear it off, take it away, remove it from one another, you know. Then we moved and we got a bigger bed with a bigger comforter. And I realized that problem went away because we had a king-size comforter. See, we had the right-size comforter. Yeah, it's funny, but you know what? 
you have a king-sized comforter. Our king, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, God is your king. And he is our king-sized comforter. And nothing can remove that. No, nothing can rip that away. He don't leave you. He don't forsake you. Nothing can take that away. God will comfort you. I don't know what you're facing in here in your life right now with a loved one, with yourself. God has you covered. He's your comforter. Find the gain. See God in all of that. We have a comforter. But I want you to notice that when I read that, there was a lot of for you's. For you's. And I know our focus in this series has been but. The word, the small word but. But it's big meaning. Here, I want you to look at the so that. And I'm going to reread that for a minute. Like one verse that I'm going to read this so that. Pay attention to those little words, okay? Because so far, God's word for us this morning has been about you and your sanctification. Right? It's been about you and how God is your comforter. And He's working through your pain. He's working through your suffering. But there's a purpose behind it all. Okay? And I want you to see this so that. It said, who comforts us in all our afflictions? Right here. Here's why God comforts us. Here's why He is doing what He's doing in your life. So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. So that we can impact others, so that we pray together, so that we lift each other up, so that we as a church grow, so that those outside the church know. It's so we grow and they know. That's why God is doing what He's doing in our lives. Not so we can hide in a hole and hide away. Not so we can look at our life and say, man, I am blessed. God loves me and I love God and look at everything He gave me. This is amazing. I'm living a great life. That goes with it, right? We, we are blessed. Many of us are blessed and we love God. Everything I just said is true to an extent because it don't stop there because we're blessed to bless others. It's how we're using the things of this world. Are we placing them before our brother and sister? Are we comforting them how God comforts us? Are we reflecting Christ to them? It's so that we impact others. It's for other people. It's such a huge part of it. Do we bear burdens? That's what it's all about, is do we bear one another's burdens and lift each other up? There's purpose in it all, and power in it all. Which brings us to our third point. Our third point this morning is going to be, we will suffer, but there is purpose in the pain. We will suffer, but there is purpose in the pain. We just talked about some of that purpose. To finish, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 4. You probably have to turn one page, maybe a couple pages, depending on your Bible you're reading, but it's in 2 Corinthians 4. I'm going to pick up in verse 7, starting right off with the but, right off the bat. But we have this treasure, and I'm going to stop right there for a minute, okay? What's the treasure? It's important to know what we're reading instead of just reading over. What's the treasure we're talking about there? We'll read the verse before it in verse 6, okay? For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What's the treasure? The knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We know the most important thing and the most important news you could ever know in your life. Nothing is a more treasure than that. Nothing. We know Jesus Christ. We know the gospel of Jesus Christ. We know the glory of God through the face of Jesus Christ. That's the treasure. That's in you and me. Speaking of you and me, that's where we'll move on. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. 
See, they would know all about this in their day, these jars of clay, these earthenware vessels, because it was a very common item. It was a common pot that held common things. Okay? We are common. It was very fragile and frail. We are very fragile and frail. It broke easy. If it got shook, fell too hard, it broke. We break easy. Something hits us in life too hard, we tend to break. Sometimes, intentionally, obviously. But we're fragile. We can relate to that. And God shows His power that He will use a clay pot. He will use a normal, everyday human being and let the biggest treasure ever to mankind, the most important treasure in the world, be stored in them for a purpose. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power that belongs to God and not in us, not to us. We are afflicted. And here you go. Pay attention to these butts because there's a bunch of them. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. And there's another, so that. Why? Why? What's the purpose? Here's your answer. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to the death for Jesus' sake. Here's the other reason. So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Life in you. What's the purpose behind this? Why do we get crushed but not destroyed? Why do we get struck down? Why do we do go through all these things that we go through, but we prevail? That's why we suffer like Christ. Christ went through it all. Christ wept. We weep. Christ lived a life many didn't agree with. So do we. Christ spoke a message that we're to speak that won't make people happy and will go against the grain. That's what Christ did. That's what we're called to do. Christ was willing to suffer and die on a cross to save souls, to save other people. That's why we're here. We're here to suffer so that souls are saved. We suffer like Christ, but we prevail. Christ prevailed. It didn't end with death. It ended with life. And when people see that in your life, they see that in you. See, no matter how severe they see you persevere, they see your weakness as God's greatness. They see your what seems like endless suffering as God's endless love. And your endless life. Your eternal life. See, they see how you handle it all. It's the proper perspective in seeing that there's purpose in it all. Speaking of the sufferings of Christ, I'm going to read point four this morning. And then I'm going to kind of throw a lot at you for a minute, okay? So you have to hold on tight, okay? But this last point is, when we suffer for the sake of Christ, or well, the third point, and I don't remember if I read that or not, it was we will suffer, but there's purpose in the pain. Hopefully you got that out of that, the purpose in it all. We will suffer, but there's purpose in the pain. But then you go on to the suffering of Christ like we just read about. It says, when we suffer for the sake of Christ, we can have joy, peace, and hope through it all. That's the fourth point. When we suffer for the sake of Christ, we can have joy, peace, and hope through it all. I'm going to use 1 Peter for a moment. And 1 Peter, read it tonight. It's a short book. They're suffering from beginning to end. Just like in the Bible, they're suffering from beginning to end. We could, God could have put so much in this sermon about suffering. 
He just so happened to put this on my heart, and he knows why, and I trust in that. But first, Peter, this is just a few verses about suffering. It's going to speak to Christ's suffering. It's going to speak to what it's like and why you suffer and what it means when you suffer. Listen to this for a moment. 1 Peter 3.14 But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, if you're suffering for what's right, if you're suffering for Christ's sake, you will be blessed. That's what God's Word says to you. If you're suffering for sight, you will be blessed. 1 Peter 3.17 For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. It's, it's good for you to suffer when it's in according to God's will. 1 Peter 3.18 This speaks to Christ's suffering. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh but made alive in the Spirit. 1 Peter 4, 1, 1 and 2, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Christ suffered. We suffer. Paul suffered. You talk about examples of suffering servants. Peter knew about it too. This author, beaten, imprisoned, crucified, suffering servants. That's not a popular message to preach, but it's a true message to preach because it's an important message to preach because God is working through it all. And what sounds like should be a bad, negative thing, brother and sister, it's such a positive thing when you see it from the proper perspective that God can use, our mighty, powerful God can use your what you feel like is too hard, too heavy, painful situa- situations for His good. You don't know who's looking and when. You don't know what it's doing in your life. I'm sure your past probably provides a lot of proof of that and where God has delivered you to today. There's meaning in the suffering. And then 1 Peter 6 and 7, we're going to talk about fire for a minute and being tested by fire. It says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while if necessary you have been greed by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold, here you go, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I came across this article that blessed me as I prepared this. I want to read it to you because it's, very, it's not long. And it really hit me hard. And I hope this hits you hard. When you think of fiery trials, you think of the flame, you think of being tested. This is what it was. Tune into this because this is so truthful. We're talking about gold, talking about fire. This fits it so well. God allowed me to read this. There was once a group of women studying the book of Malachi in the Old Testament. When they got to Malachi 3.3, they wondered what this statement meant about the character and nature of God. One of the women offered to find out about the process of refining silver and get back to the group at their next Bible study. That week, this woman contacted a silversmith and made an appointment to watch him work. She didn't mention anything about the reason for her interest beyond her curiosity about the process of refining silver. As she watched him, the silversmith held out a piece of silver over the fire. He let it heat up. He explained that in refining silver, one needed to hold the silver in the middle of the fire where the flames were hottest because it would burn away all the impurities. The woman thought about God holding us in such a hot spot. 
Then she thought again about this verse, that he sits as a refiner and purifier of silver. She asked the silversmith if it was true that he had to sit there in front of the fire the whole time the silver was being refined. Yes, he responded, and exclaimed that he not only had to sit there holding the silver, but he had to keep his eyes on the silver the entire time it was in the fire. If the silver was even left a moment too long in the flames, it would be damaged. The woman was silent for a moment. And then I love this. This is what hit me. Then she asked the silversmith, how do you know when the silver is fully refined? He smiled and answered, oh, that's easy, when I see my image in it. So much truth to that. We are being conformed. Our impurities are being wiped away. We're being formed and shaped and molded in the heat, in the fiery trial. And God's eyes are on us the whole time. He knows when to take us out. He knows when to put us back in. He knows it's going to beat us up and shape us, but it's all part of the process. And in the end, we are conformed and seen in the image as the image of Christ. And then the last part, she wrote, becoming like Christ is a difficult process, but the gain, talk about pain, but gain. Becoming like Christ is a difficult process, but the gain at the end is incomparable knowing He is with us every step of the way, ensuring that we are never taken through the fire to the point of harm, but only to perfect us to reflect His image makes the pain pale in comparison to the joy that is to come. See, that fourth point, when we suffer for the sake of Christ, we can find joy, peace, and hope. There's your joy. You can find joy, peace, and hope. That last verse I want to read from 1 Peter after reading that. 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory is revealed, you also be glad with exceeding joy. That brings us to the ultimate suffering servant. It brings us to Jesus Christ. What it's all about. Jesus, we talked about him, how he wept. We talk about his message. We talk about how he lived his life. We talk about his death, the suffering, the beating. Everything he went through on that cross for others, for you and me, so that we could be, say, the ultimate suffering, the ultimate pain that brought you and I the ultimate gain. Pain, but gain. But there's work for you and me to do. See, I love this quote. I'm going to close as we get ready to wrap up with two quotes, okay? Here's the first one I love. It goes right with what I just said. Jesus Christ not only did something on the cross, but He did something to the cross. He transformed it from a symbol of suffering to a symbol of victory and glory. Sholemesh wrote, He as no other stands before our eyes as an example and a warning. He demands of us and prods us to follow His example and carry out His teachings. The suffering, the pain, the victory in Jesus. That's, I believe that's the hymn we sang this morning, right? Victory in Jesus. See, when we have the proper perspective of the pain and suffering, it's a glorious, glorious thing. The last quote, somebody who knew about pain, knew about suffering, and I'm using it on purpose because many of us know this name. Helen Keller. Blind, deaf, 
I believe from the age of six, from what I got, I didn't know that, but I didn't realize it was that young, but from the age of six, this is what she says, okay? Her words in the pain and suffering. Although the world is full of suffering, it is full also of the overcoming of it. Suffering will be either your master or your servant, depending on how you handle the crises of life. After all, a crisis doesn't make a person. It reveals what a person is made of. That's Helen Keller. That's strong. Someone also who knew about suffering. I want to ask you this morning, what are you made of? What am I made of? What's our perspective? We talk sanctification. We cover a lot of ground. We talk sanctification for you personally. That this is all part of the process. We asked at the beginning, why do we suffer? Well, there's one of the reasons why. It's because it's growing us. It's sanctifying us. We ask, why do we suffer? It's so that God will bring us to our knees and we go to the Comforter, the all-powerful God. We ask, why do we suffer? And we've seen the purpose in the pain for you and me, but also missionally. Paul suffered tremendously for mission. We suffer for the sake of Christ because he suffered for the sake of others. We suffer for the sake of the gospel like Paul did. Are we willing to share it? Are we made of that? Will we share it at all costs? Will we suffer? Will we have the, whatever you're going through right now, whatever you brought in, God has a word for you this morning and it's this. This is intentional. It's no coincidence. You're hearing God's words, the reason you're hearing them because you're going through a lot and you've been through a lot. God is with you in it all. God is going to use it. See God through the process. See what He's doing. Don't look for the good. Look for the God. Because He's bigger than all of it. Don't look for great. Look for God. Don't settle for less. See God in it all. Let us pray.